Welcome everybody to today's Intelligent Property Investor Masterclass. The reason I do these is because I want you to be more intelligent about property in particular. Now to be intelligent about property, you need to understand some of the underlying market forces that are affecting property, which means we need a little bit of economics in there as well. Lucky I'm an economist, huh? <laughs> and a very big property investor, absolutely love property. So if you uh, know more about what the market's doing and what we're likely to, to get out of the market and what kind of things to look out for, you're going to make better decisions. And as you make better decisions, obviously, you make better profits. And isn't that what we're all about? So if you're listening to me on any of the podcast forums, make sure that you come across to my website, which is iloverealestate.tv, and get a, a look at all of the charts that I'm going to be showing you as part of this podcast and um, obviously on YouTube and on my website. So they're all there for you and they're all free. So let's get into it. Why is the great reshuffle good news for property? Mm-hmm, okay, what's a reshuffle? <laughs> How property markets continue to run hot with auctions in particular defying expectations? Why uh, search interest is at record highs and as the best, as the greatest, uh, as the great property shortage continues to bite. Sorry, I'm getting a bit off track there. And the next one, of course, is why the RBA forecasts create little pressure for rate hikes, interest rate hikes, even as the labour market continues to tighten. So let's get into those things um, because we want to also talk about how some Aussies are booking ten, uh, 8 to 10% pay rises. Bet you all would like to know where people are doing that and how they're doing it. So let's get into everything for you guys. All right, let's start with property um, opens 2022 at a blistering pace. And you can see there the clearance rates. That's what that chart is on the right-hand side. Uh, the clearance rates across the board are very, very high. Now, we saw as we came into December, those figures started to come off a little bit. That's expected because December is traditionally a, a bit of a dead month. I mean, there's a good run up to it till we get about halfway into December and then everybody shuts down for Christmas and doesn't really come back until January. So when we see figures like that coming out first thing in the, uh, in the new year, they're very, very strong. So auction clearance rates are strong and there is strong search interest uh, relative to available properties. And I'll show you some charts on just how much people are searching for properties online and what they're actually looking at. But there still remains a shortage of properties on the market and therefore the market is really, really hot. So you can see here, this is the, um, the weekly auction clearance rates on a, uh, a 12, uh, sorry, four week average. And you can see there, they go up and down, up and down. But just have a look at how high they are compared to, you know, back through to, to February of, of um, uh, 2012. There's a lot of, of lines there that are a lot lower than where we are right now. So we're ticking along very, very strongly. Now, if you start to have a think about what happened, uh, where those the the uh, the run up was, where we started to have a lot of interest in property through 2000 and really about 13, 14 through to 2017, where we started to be able to, you know, the APRA got involved and put all the restrictions on funding so nobody could get a loan. 
they were really strong. And what happened in the property market through that period? Quite strong as well. So this is an indication of how hot the market actually is. So you can see there, um, that's that chart that I showed you before with the, uh, the auction clearance rates across all the capital cities. Um, and it, it, I thought I'd put beside it how many auctions are actually um, taking place. So they're not small numbers. I mean, look at Melbourne. I mean, Melbourne's known for being the auction capital. They love auctions. You know, over a thousand auctions took place um, uh, during the week and for last, you know, what they were over the last year. Um, now, that's on 12 months, that, that's um, the auctions going through. You think about then, 70% of those actually cleared, which means 70% were sold at auction. There's others like Perth, not very much sells at auction, Adelaide, not very much, Brisbane even. We're starting to, to get a lot more auctions, but we really don't like them up here in Queensland. Um, Tassie doesn't like them at all, and Canberra, not that flash on them either. So Sydney and Melbourne are the main pushers there when it comes to, uh, to auctions and auction clearance rates. But you can see here, this is the average views per listing. Just get a load of that. You can see there across all the, um, all the states, and obviously the red one is the, the na nationally, how much we're looking. But where we tracked back pre-COVID, so January of 2019, for every sale that went through, we were roughly, there was a thousand people um, you know, looking per, per property that came on. Now, obviously, a lot of people look and nothing happens and whatever. But look where we are now. We're over 2,000. So we've doubled the amount of interest in property than we had pre-COVID. And that's significant. You add this to the, um, the new listings. Now, you can see there on the left, we have new listings coming in pretty much on target with where they've been every other year back to 2018. This time of year... Um, not much gets put on around Christmas and then we start to pick up from there into February and that's exactly what we're seeing here in this chart. But if you go on the right-hand side, you can see there that uh, we are way below total listings. So um, actual properties on the market uh, are not as many as there are in previous years. Even last year in 2021 when we had... Um, you know, that was the lowest year ever of listings on the market. We are even lower now in 2022. Now, that's significant. What that shows is that our supply chain in properties is very, very tight. There's not a lot of new properties coming on the line to, to meet the kind of demand that we've got. I mean, I was talking to uh, an agent just today and I was talking about, you know, available land and he said in one particular estate that I was looking at, not for me but for, for a friend, um, that you had to go into a lottery to actually get a block of land. So your name goes in a, a lottery and literally they draw you out of a hat to see if you can have that property or not, that block of land. That is ridiculous. Ridiculous, but that's how tight the land market is right now, and that's what we're seeing here. Um, you know, and that that just adds a lot of pressure to house pricing because it shows us very strong demand, but there simply isn't the supply. Now, whenever you have demand over supply, what happens? Property prices go up, or prices go up, regardless of whether we're talking about property or jelly beans. It doesn't matter. Property uh, prices go up, and it's no different in the property market. Let's get on to this reshuffle. What on earth am I talking about when we talk about reshuffle? Well, 
Wages remain key with the great reshuffle. Workers are quitting for better jobs, possibly putting pressure on wages. Now, Treasury analysis has come out and shows that people who leave work for a better job are typically, or another job, are typically getting a, an 8 to 10% pay rise to take that job. So this is actually pretty unique to Australia because when you look at what's happening in the US, um, there's actually been, the, you know, people are quitting their jobs, but they're not going into a new one. So this is taking a new job for a better, uh, a better pay. And there's actually been a significant push across the, you know, the big corporates and the others to try and make um, employment as flexible as possible. So rather than have pay rises, a lot of them are putting in a lot of perks and being very, really flexible with hours and, you know, 14-day fortnights and all, uh, was it? 10-day fortnights, 9-day fortnights, that's the one that's what I was after, um, where you've got an RDO every, every fortnight, things like that. But, you know, the hours remain the same and productivity and all the rest of it. So they're adding a lot of other things uh, to try and keep employees because their labour market is simply so tight. Now, this has um, been partly fueled by the fact that the, you know, the cash rate is very low. And one of the, I, I wanted to spread this a little bit because... The, there's, a, there's a bit of a, an intertwining here with interest rates because one of the key indicators, and I'll just flick forward to this chart here, that the Reserve Bank of Australia has said that they will look at in order to determine whether they will rise interest rates or not on the, um, the base rate, is inflation and uh, unemployment. Now, because unemployment is you know, down in the in low, low fours and possibly going into the threes, then, and this is, you look at the chart there on the right, take that back to 2014, this is the lowest we've ever been. This is incredible how low we are right now. So, um, you know, that was one of the indicators that, that they need to see consistency in the unemployment rate or employment rate. The other thing is the underlying inflation. Now, um, the target range for underlying inflation um, we are actually dipped over that at the moment for where the RBA wants to see it. However, they've come back and said that it's not actually um, consistent at the moment and a lot of that is being fuelled by supply chain uh, shortages, including fuel. Uh, you've got the eruptions going over between Russia and the Ukraine. You've got China puffing their chest up with Taiwan. You've got stuff in the Middle East. You've got a lot of things going on that is affecting particularly fuel, but also um, other supply chains. Now, a lot of that is then flowing through to inflation in Australia. However, the RBA and myself do not believe that that is going to be um, a long-term term thing um, for, for inflation. So we've picked up, but I think it'll come down a little bit before it then starts to gradually keep up. And when, when it starts to gradually come up, then what we're going to see is the interest rates come, come back on and start to, to start to increase. I don't think it's going to be in the first half of the year. It might be in the second half of the year. The RBA is actually saying it's going to be later than that. I think banks will start to increase later in the year. Nothing's going to happen before the next election. Um, everybody will sit on their hands and do nothing, uh, and then we'll see what the election brings, and then we'll see what happens after that. So getting back to this chart here where the cash rate is so low, the RBA has updated their forecast for the year 
um, with their last announcement and they say that interest rates are likely to lift but not till later this year or next year um, and then only slightly and slowly. So none of that is to be of huge concern when we start talking about property pricing. Um, you can see here where our unemployment sits compared to other countries and you can see there pre-COVID, so December 2019 to now, we have well and truly, um, you know, increased our employment rate by, by a good, you know, 2% there. Um, whereas other countries like Japan, the US, the UK, Italy and even Germany have gone backwards. So, you know, I think, uh, you know, there's a, there's a lot to take in in this space. But the labour market is very, very tight and there is upward pressure on pricing. So this is what we are going to see more of. Um, there's a lot more ads than there are people applying for those ads at the moment and that's what the figures are showing. Um, and uh, the, uh, you know, there's, there's upward pressure on pricing because in order to attract the type of employee that you want, people are offering more. So it or better, better perks basically. So there is upward pressure there and that is one of the things that, that with the sustainability as, as wage prices increase and they need to. You know, we haven't seen a good wage increase for a number of years and particularly in some industries. So you're going to see a lot of union action you're going to throughout this year. You're going to see a lot of wage pressure um, and as that really flows through to inflation, real inflation, not imported inflation, which is what we're seeing at the moment, um, then you're going to start to see interest rates go up. But they're going to be slower, you know, in small increments. It's not going to be a major factor. All of those things play very, very well for the property market because what it means is that uh, there is still more upward pressure because of all the other things that I've been talking about throughout the, uh, you know, throughout my time. So there's a bit of an article came out in the Australian this week about Frydenberg saying that, uh, you know, it's uh, unlikely, uh, unlike some other countries, we are seeing a great reshuffle, which is where the name, the, you know, the, the terminologies come from, rather than a great resignation, which is what's happening in the US. Uh, people are actually moving jobs as opposed to, uh, you know, quitting their jobs. So uh, this just shows you a bit of a movement there. Um, quit for a better job or wanted a change. And you can see there that's, that's a significant increase in the number of people changing jobs compared to where we were, you know, back in, say, 2014. So which capital city offers the best value? Well, it's actually Brisbane and Perth. They are the cheapest of the capital cities. Um, and uh, compared to the Sydney and, and Melbourne, obviously are the more expensive. Expensive, No surprises there, as you would imagine. Um, Brisbane is also enjoying a positive population flow, and you'll see shortly where the people are coming from into southeast Queensland. So there's a really, really strong outlook at the moment for Brisbane particularly. So this is uh, Melbourne house prices versus other capitals. Um, and you can see there that's, that's you know, the, the change as it goes up and down and it's still higher, that baseline there, the dotted line is the, the average across the capitals, it is still higher. It has come down mainly because of the unit market and the massive oversupply in inner city of the unit market in Melbourne. When we look at Sydney there, it's probably the most expensive and, um, you know, across the board for units and for housing, um, no surprises there. 
then you have a look at Brisbane. Now, you look at that dotted line there. You can see how much lower Brisbane is. And Perth is the most affordable. Crazy, huh? Perth, they've been in lockdown. They've been shutting out the rest of the, rest of the country and the rest of the world. Um, and uh, that has obviously affected their house pricing as well, that it hasn't uh, skyrocketed like uh, some of the other, other areas, like uh, particularly Queensland. There's Adelaide for you. Again, very uh, inexpensive for Adelaide. Now, this flows through to for rental yields. I should have put a, a heading on that, but that's the rental return that you are getting across uh, the capital cities and the regional areas in all the states. And you can see the big one there is Darwin. Now, that leads back to what I was talking about last week about how a lot of uh, people who work in the mines in the Northern Territory and offshore from Darwin... Um, they uh, they have been living in Darwin because they can't come in and out. They might have had a house in you know North Queensland or South Queensland or somewhere else, and they haven't been able to fly in and out as they normally do. So uh, they're renting in Darwin, and that has really pushed the uh, you know the yields up for places like Darwin. But the the regionals have actually copped a, uh, a significant increase as well, which is which is good to see. Uh, the worst, of course, is Sydney because the house prices are so high. So the, the dollar that you're getting for the value that you're paying is obviously lower. This is the net long-term arrivals in Australia going back to 1976. Just have a look at that. Just have a look at, um, you know, back in the 70s and the 80s, the number of people that we were taking in from a migration perspective, immigration perspective, sorry, um, and then it started to really kick up in the 2000s. We kind of bobbed up and down there. And then COVID came and zero. <laughs> in fact, we lost about 20,000 people. So uh, that was that, that's significant. The reality is it's going to get back up there. Where are these people going to go? They predominantly go to Sydney and Melbourne. What is that going to do for house prices in those areas? You guessed it upward pressure. They will go to the other capital cities as well. Very few venture out into the regional areas, um, which is why I'm saying there'll be a less of a growth in regional areas now than there will be in the capitals. But Sydney and Melbourne are certainly going to really, when this happens, when we open those international borders for migration, not just tourists coming in, we are going to see that. Uh, we're going to see a significant pressure on pricing. Um, this actually shows you the internal migration. So um, there's been a little bit of a decline generally, but what's important is this next chart is where are they going? So you can see there there's been a bit of a decline out of New South Wales, but look at the decline out of Victoria. And um, for God's sake, who wouldn't? Um, where are they going? Mainly southeast Queensland and into Queensland. Why? Well, <laughs> I mean, I've been very vocal about how Dan Andrews has ruined that state. And I'm not going to shut up about it either because he has. The draconian laws that he's brought in regarding property and, and land tax and, um, you know, taxing capital gains that you're making um, on, on developments and, uh, you know, all the lockdowns and all the restrictions and whatever else. Oh, my God, he has ruined the state. One of the best states in Australia and he's absolutely killed it economically. So if you go and vote for him again next year or whenever the, 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 New South, the Victorian elections come on, it's your fault because, oh, my God, the, the, some of the decisions that he's made are just off the charts ridiculous. <coughs> 
and it's affecting big business and it's affecting that state as a whole. And these actually show it because it's actually affecting the individuals because they don't want to be in it either. So there's been a mass movement out of Victoria. The question, and they're coming to South East Queensland, the question is, will it last and will they go back? Now, I'm not going to answer that here, but, um, you know, you need to think about that. It's, it's, there's a number of issues that come up with those sort of things and it's something that I want you to start thinking about because, um, you know, I'm very positive on, on Melbourne and I'm very positive because of the migrants, migrants coming in and all of those things. But, um, oh, my God, that, that idiot has absolutely killed the, the, the state economically. Anyway, that's my opinion. Um, I don't normally get political, but I just can't help myself on that one, I'm afraid. Anyway, let's look at a, a happier note. This is a quote by Albert Einstein. He says, if you want to live a happy life, tie it to a goal, not to people or objects. So there you go. Start thinking about what you want to achieve in life, what you, the type of life that you want to live, you know, where you want to go, with the type of experiences that you want to have, and tie your goals to that. Start setting your goals about how much income you want to make and passive income and start setting your goals about, about what that means from a property perspective. How many properties do you need to produce that much passive income and all of those types of really delving questions. So set yourself a little bit of time for thinking time and uh, you know, really start to capitalise on the market that we are in because this is a, you know, a once in a, a couple of decades period that we are going through right now and we really need to capitalise on it. So to help you with that, I've set aside some, um, some interviews that you can have, some breakthrough sessions. They're coaching sessions with, with some of my advisors. There aren't that many. You do have to book in. Make sure that you keep your appointment when you take up one of those appointments. My advisors are there to help you about how to achieve those goals and what it means for you and how we can help you. We don't sell properties, but we can show you what you need to do to move forward and achieve those goals and start living the kind of life that you want to live because life's too short not to. And if COVID has taught us anything, we need to really start focusing on what we want out of life and the way we want to live it. So that's it for me, guys, this week. I hope you've enjoyed the, uh, the Intelligent Property Investor Masterclass. If you want to take up one of those sessions, just go to iloverealestate.tv forward slash questions forward slash or uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, you'll probably see the links down the bottom. You can click on that and go through and take up one of those appointments. Highly recommended. I know they're going to help you. That's it from me, guys. Catch you again next week. Bye.